0: The first effect of the day of Pentecost was amazement. In the seventh verse, then they were all amazed and marveled, this entire group of people who had been drawn to this place uh, due to the fact that there was a rushing mighty wind. There was a tremendous sound. And though the scriptures don't tell us specifically what the weather was that day. I'm confident that there was enough of a contrast between the sound that was coming From that upper room, then uh, the environment surrounding it, that it uh, piqued their curiosity. And so they came, and they're amazed, uh, and they're marveled. And then here they come, boiling out of that upper room, and what are they doing? Saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Well, how did they know they were Galileans? Because if you was a Galilean, you had an accent like Brother Andy. And they did not allow you to speak or sing in the temple because you had a low, let's say, a, a low economy or low economic group. Well, your head was on the bottom of the totem pole if you was from Galilee because everybody could tell by the way your accent was. And, you know, nobody was, was proud of it, so they didn't do that. So all these folks who were there are saying, hey, these, these people have a distinct Galilean accent. We know that they're Galileans. How is it? that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, languages, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? The first effect of Pentecost was that these folks who had gathered together, that the sound of a rushing mighty wind had brought them out of curiosity. What is that? They were amazed. Now, very few things amaze us anymore because of our technological ability to just about recreate anything. But these folks were amazed at what, were, at what was taking place. They were all confounded. Here is something that they could not deny Yet they did not understand. Couldn't deny it. They heard it. And when them folks come balling out of that upper room, they're speaking in the, the same languages these folks came from. Said so we hear them. And all these uh, 120 folks, we hear them from all these uh, various languages being spoke. But we know that all of these people are Galileans because of their accent. How can all of these Galileans speak in languages that we understand from the furthest points of the, of the earth and what we hear them speaking are the wonderful works of God. The number one issue that prevents people from receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost is a fear of speaking in tongues. It was mine. Let me personalize this. It took me all them months of begging, crying, holding on, letting go, keeping people late after church. Because my issue was tongues. Duh, duh, mm-hmm. I prayed with folks. I don't have many folks over the years, and they'll get right there, and they'll cut it off. Now, they're not bad people, and they're not sinning. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just that they're afraid to speak in tongues, and you know why? Because they don't know what they're saying, and that was me. I didn't mind speaking in tongues as long as I could understand what I was saying. Y'all didn't get that, did you? That's an oxymoron. I mean, folks didn't get that. No, it's good. That was my fear. That was my concern. And that Tuesday night prayer meeting at the end of that little old short table in the uh, children's Sunday school room, when we had the uh, Tuesday night prayer meeting and all them older saints were there, you know, and man, Spirit of God got to moving. And then I just come to that. The Lord brought me to that place. and said, son, you're either going to do this or not. I'm not going to do it for you. And that's another misconception. Well, if the Lord wants me to heal will He'll do it, you know, and I, no, you do it. The Spirit of God gives you the utterance. He don't utter it for you. You utter it. And I'd received the utterance I don't know how many times. I was just too scared to speak it out. So these folks, having gathered around outside this building, 120, uh, 120, of course there's thousands of people there now because they cannot figure out what is going on up there. What is generating that sound? It's, it's, it's supernatural. We, you know, uh, we can't deny it. I'm hearing it. But have, have you ever saw something you couldn't believe? Like the Atlanta Falcons winning the game? No. <laughs> Y'all watch that today? Anyhow, if they won one, I'd be amazed. Praise God. It's just they were just amazed because they could not rationally explain what was taking place. And then here comes these 120 Galileans out of that dude, and they're, they're speaking in these languages, the wonderful works of God. But the people who are surrounding them are confounded. They can't explain it. They can't rationalize it in their mind what is taking place. They can't deny that it's happening. They just can't explain to anybody why it's happening. So the first effect of Pentecost is amazing, amazement. men. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 The apostle writes, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Heard a lot of criticism over the years about Pentecostal folks, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that experience, the the supernatural essence of it because that's what's taking place. Amen. It It is absolutely a demonstration of God's presence and his power. But these things are spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So we need to pray, Lord. Give us spiritual discernment. I'd rather know than just stand and, and, and be confounded and not understand. I'd rather have understanding of what's going on. So the first effect is amazement. The second one is that God will be glorified. In that 11th verse where it talks about Cretans and Arabs, We hear them speaking in our own tongues. What? The wonderful works of God. The second effect of Pentecost is that God will be glorified in it. Now, for as many folks as ever receive the baptism, right before that happens, the enemy of your soul will perch something on your shoulder and tell you that you ain't getting the Holy Ghost. You're getting something else. You're going to get some kind of unclean. And that's just stupid. Because if that were the truth, why would the devil warn you? Why would he let you just go ahead and receive some kind of unclean spirit? Why would he tell you? You better not because, you know, it, it, if it wasn't of God, why would he warn you? You would think that would be right down his alley. Amen. But they hear them speaking in their own languages. What? The wonderful works of God, that God will be glorified. That's the effect of Pentecost. You get around Pentecostal people, you know what you're going to hear? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift him up. Bless his holy and righteous name. I'm just going down the list of phrases that we use as Pentecostal folks worshiping in the Spirit that we give the attention and the glory and the honor to the Lord. So the second effect is that God will be glorified in it. Here's I got six. That's why I'm going through these. I was going to split this up today, but y'all get it all at once tonight. Ain't y'all praise God? Ain't y'all happy? Here's the third one. We did it last night. Brother Greg spoke about it. Acts 2 and 40. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. This is Peter preaching. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42. Here it is. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Continual Fellowship is an effect of Pentecost, and we did that last night. Now, we just did it for the old folks, but now that I'm an old folk, I don't, you know, gripe about that anymore, praise God. As the presiding elder of this congregation, I can go to any meeting that's held this church if I want to, (laughs) especially if you're eating. How many of y'all ever had a shower out in a fellowship hall? It starts at 4.30, no brother, and he comes easing in there about 15 after 5, seeing what's left over. That's out more times than I can count. But they continued steadfastly. They fellowship with one another. In the apostles' doctrine, they listened to the teaching of the Word of God. And in fellowship, the church is, is, is not the Kiwanis Club. We're not the Rotary Club. We're not a service organization. The church is a family. Amen. And in doing that, the church is a place where people, on purpose, make themselves vulnerable to others you can't get hurt nowhere like you can get hurt in church why because you have opened yourself up to other folks and you have made yourself vulnerable you love them you care about them and what they say or do matters to you amen you don't have a take it or leave it attitude toward your brothers and sisters in Christ you have a loving attitude toward them you desire their success when good things happen to them, you rejoice with them. When they have to endure bad things, you sorrow with them. Amen. You don't desert them, but you, you are available to them. That's what the church is all about. That's why we're here. Because we live in a sin-cursed world and awful rotten things are going to happen And things are going to take place in our lives that we'd rather not. And it's going to affect us negatively. And we're going to need somebody, praise God, to love us with the love of Jesus Christ. And that's why the church is here. Praise God. So when this world knocks you cross-eyed and you don't have the strength to stand on your feet, You're part of the body of Christ, and there are brothers and sisters in the Lord who love you, and we will carry you as far as we need to until you get your strength back, and you can walk on your own again. I may carry you this week, but you know what? You may have to carry me next week. Amen. That's why we're here. It is a continual fellowship. Breaking the bread, I love it, and in prayers. And boy, did we break some good bread last night! I tell you what, if you ain't fat before you come to this church, you might be for if you spend a lot of time here, because our ladies can go, boy. Our ladies can cook. My the motto I've, I've, I've given the ladies of this church is, "Our ladies never failed," and beloved, they don't. And They didn't last night either. I mean, I know you know some uh, brother brother Greg and, and uh, brother Raymond and some others helped with the, uh, on the. Brand new grill that the church has got. Amen. That old green one, what did y'all do with that big old green grill y'all had? We wore that sucker out and bought us a brand new one and broke it in last night. Praise God. It is good that we break bread together. It is good that we sit down and eat together. It is good that we spend time together. It is good that we get to know one another. It is good that we create an opportunity That if you need help, you can get help. Amen. And if something wonderful has happened, you don't rejoice by yourself. But there's somebody sitting beside you who is genuinely interested, not getting their nose in your business, but generally interested in your welfare. And we rejoice as you are blessed. The fourth effect of Pentecost is holy boldness, Acts 4 and 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Remember the man that was lame at the gate? This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them They could say nothing against it. There is a holy boldness that comes with Pentecost. There is an absence of fear. You get the anointing of the Spirit of God on you, there is no fear in you. You don't fear man, beast, and you certainly don't fear the enemy of your soul. Fear is gone. I've experienced this myself. I've been in that, and I've shared it with the church since it happened several years ago at the bookstore in Cleveland, but I was there by myself. I didn't have a loving congregation, all you good folks. I was there by myself. And there was a holy bonus come on me because I was agitated at what they were selling back there in that music department. It's the awfulest mess I've ever seen in my life, especially being a so called Christian bookstore. And that one CD, Scanctified, got me. I almost was able to ease on out. But when I saw that, I, I, you know, everybody. you we may still have folks wearing them. You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelets? I had my what would Buckaloo bracelet do on that day. And what Buckaloo would have done, he'd have went out the car, got that softball bat out of the trunk, went in there, and broke that mess up and been arrested by the Cleveland police. Aren't you glad I didn't do that? Because all y'all would have been embarrassed. I said, where you go to church? You go to church where that guy got arrested in Tennessee the other day for breaking all that up in that bookstore? He's out of his mind, isn't he? No, I wasn't, but I had an anointing when I got up there and asked to speak to the manager of the store, and people were lined up, and all I did, I mean, I didn't do anything out of the way, folks, but I felt it, and I asked that lady, may I please speak to the manager of this store? When I did, everybody in that line took about two steps back. It wasn't that they were afraid I was going to harm them. Let me tell you something. When the Spirit of the Lord rests on you, you command the ground that you stand on. Peter is standing here before the very council that crucified Jesus Christ and he gets in their face. These same men can have him crucified. But instead of being afraid of what they are capable of doing, he proclaims to them the truth. This Jesus whom you crucified, this Jesus whom you slaughtered through wicked hands is alive. And You see this guy right here? Y'all know him? I don't know what his name is. I look forward to talking to him when I get to heaven. Let's just call him Bubba because we're in Somerville, all right? Y'all see Bubba? Y'all know how long he's been laying out there at that gate? How long he's been crippled? You see him every day when you come to work. You walk right by him. You may throw him a quarter or a dollar or something. And you think to yourself, poor old Bubba. He sure has had it bad for a long time. But look at him now. He just, we can't keep him. He didn't only just jump up and run in the temple. He started jumping and leaping. And he got loud, and he disturbed everything that was going on because they had it down to a routine until Bubba got healed. When Bubba got healed, praise God, he wanted everybody to know. And he he said, you see him now? He ain't laying down now. He's standing up. Y'all saw him jump. Y'all heard what him say. Then you look at us like somehow we had the power of holiness to heal him. Let me tell you who healed him. Praise God. The boldest fearlessness of Peter and John, that same anointing, I'm here to tell you, will drive the fear away from you. It'll just do it. It is, in effect, the Pentecost. Number five, it gives us a powerful testimony. Acts 4 and 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Then in Acts 6 and 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. For there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Were not unable to do it because they have a powerful testimony. That's an effect of Pentecost. Praise God. I'm saved. Praise God. He separated me, sanctified me. Praise God, he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're given a powerful, supernatural testimony that we can share with others. Does Jesus Christ change anybody's life in this house? You can raise your hand and say, he changed my life. I was one way, and now I'm another way. I may not be everything that I want to be, but praise God, I ain't nothing near what I used to be. Because of him. That's a powerful testimony, folks. And the church had it when, you know, when when Peter comes back and he's delivered from that jail miraculously. Man, that's a testimony. I was in, I mean, it's one thing to be in jail. It's another thing for the angels of the Lord to come get you out of jail. That's a testimony. What you doing here? (laughs) The angels of the Lord just brought me out of that jail. Praise God. That door, I walked up that door, and that's before they had automatic doors. These were angelic doors. He just walked up, that door opened on and on. Now, most people, that'd scare you to death. I don't want to go to my house, and my door starts to go. I ain't got no electronic doors at the house. But the door opened on its own, he walked out. Goes all the way to where the church is. And they end up they there, and they're praying for me. And they're having a prayer meeting. Knocks on the door, and this old girl, she... <laughs> She had to be about ditzy. Hey, let me in, child. Wait a minute. It's Peter. Can't be Peter. He's in jail. Oh, it must be his angels. They're trying to, you know. No, it's him. I promise you. And Peter's out there going, waiting on him to come open that door. Finally, they do it. Woo, glory! It is Peter. What happened to you? Hey, I got a testimony. While y'all was in here praying for me, guess what the Lord was doing? Brother Andy, why do you believe in the church praying? Because when we pray, God will move. Amen. If he needs to move here, he'll move here. But if we're praying for something somewhere else, no matter how far away it is, he can cover the distance. And finally, the effects of Pentecost are mighty works, Acts 5 and 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were... All with one accord in Solomon's porch. Do you all hear a theme running through here? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one mind and one accord. And, and again, where it says the multitude were of one heart and one soul. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. It is necessary, amen, that we lay aside any differences, come together as one in Christ and see what happens. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. Listen, and they were all healed. Now I can preach for five minutes. We have covered the foundation. Mighty works. You know what an effect of Pentecost is? We pray big. I got a sign. If you ever come to my house, there's a sign up over uh, the fireplace. And in capital letters, it says, pray big. Pray big. We pray big. We pray for the impossible because we are convinced that our God can do anything and that with him all things are possible. That's the effect of Pentecost. And that goes for everybody without exception. And it's not a question of how bad your case is. Well, I don't know. If you were to rate it on between 1 and 10, my case would be an 8. Somebody else come up and tell you their story, they might run a 7.0. Somebody else may come up, boy, and knock you cross-eyed with a 10. Boy, uh, uh, wow, how are you even living, having experienced all that? It doesn't matter how severe your case is. It, woo, glory, it doesn't matter how hopeless it may seem. Because the God we serve can do anything. The doctor says, I'm terminal. You ain't terminal till Jesus says you're terminal. Amen. You know, for those of you visiting with us tonight, there ain't a reason in this world I should be standing up. I got more junk wrong with me than Carter's got little liver pills. It takes me 30 minutes when I go to the doctor just go down the list of my stuff. You have type 2 diabetes. You have uh, chronic sleep apnea. You got high cholesterol. You got high blood pressure. And, and, and you just rock, you got, sleep, got the worst case of sleep apnea on record at Harbin Sleep Center. And you got all this junk. And, and, my, and my doctor from India, by the way, Dr. Bakaria. Mr. Hutchins, why are you living? We must give you another medication. I want any other medication. Why is that? The grace of God. Amen. I've seen, two, I've seen him. Here's the thing about me. It's too late for me. I, I, I have gone too far. I have seen him do too much. I have been there. I'm an eyewitness. I got a testimony. I am an eyewitness to the power of Almighty God. Don't tell me he can't, because he can. And don't tell me he won't, because he will. Praise God. Now, having been blessed of the Lord, as we have here at Pentecostal Worship Center, and people come and, you know, who've never been here and don't know our story, how we went from nothing And the Lord blessed us with all this. And the reason he did is because of Pentecost itself that we continue to preach the message. Because the message of Pentecost ain't Pentecost. The message of Pentecost ain't about speaking in tongues. It's not about all this other stuff. The message of Pentecost is salvation. Amen. What we preach to people is incredible. It's an incredible story. Think about it for a second. We tell folks that we know a man who was born of a virgin. That's a physical impossibility. What are you trying to tell me, man? Yeah, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He had no human father. Well, that ain't possible. It ain't, is it? He's the only one that's ever happened to. He was born of a virgin. Hey, let me tell you something else. Take a hair off your head. He lived a sinless life. What? What? He never sinned once. Oh, come on everybody sinned. Not him. I have, but he didn't. He lived all those 33 and never sinned once. Let me take it a little further about this man. He kept the law of the Old Testament, all 613 points of it. He kept all of them and never broke one his entire life. He's the only person ever to live To keep the law, but he kept it. Wow. Let me tell you something else about him. When he began his ministry, he started healing people. Healing them. Yeah. The same same guy that was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, he started healing folks. People who was blind, he touched them and they could see. People who were lame, he spoke the word to them and they jumped up and they could walk. People who were deaf. He laid his hand on their ears and then they could hear. And everybody that had any kind of torment from an unclean spirit, he delivered them. The very demons of hell itself obeyed his voice. And when he said, you got to go, they had to leave. He exercised great power over them. Wow. This sounds like a pretty good fairy tale, doesn't it? Let me tell you something else. He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, and the devil himself came and tempted him in his most weakened condition. He felt just like you and I would if we had fasted for 40 days. And yet in that moment of weakness, when the temptation was laid out before him, he overcame it. He defeated the enemy. Hallelujah. How did he do it? By quoting the Word of God. Wow. Wow. This is some man. Yes, it is. Let me tell you what else he did. He laid down on a cross. After he had been beaten so severely, it had killed anybody else. He had the power, and I used to sing this growing up in the Southern Baptist Church when I was a kid every Easter. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He didn't have to do that, but He did. He spoke not a word. He did not resist. He laid down on that cross, and they drove nails through his hands and feet. And then the Roman soldier pierced his side with a spear, having hung there for several hours. Because he's already dead, and blood and water washed out. And his last words were, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It is finished, and he died. Oh, man, he died? Yeah, he died. You don't hear something else? The most incredible thing of all. Three days later, when they went to the grave to anoint his body and and complete that uh, funerary process, if you will, that stone was rolled away. Big old rock they put in front of that, that hole in the ground, it was rolled away, and none of the guards were there. And when they run in, they saw the strips of cloth they'd wrapped his body up in, but it was as if it just had decompressed and, and laid down on that, and on that stone table they'd put his body on. He was gone. He was gone. Somebody, somebody, a grave robber, come steal his body? No, man. He arose bodily from the dead. Oh, come on. Ain't nobody done that. He arose bodily from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples on numerous occasions, and a few days later they were gathered together at the Mount of Olives, and he gave them final instructions, told them where to go and how to wait for what, and he ascended up into heaven before their very eyes. He just rose up off that mount, and he got smaller and smaller and smaller until they couldn't see him anymore, and they was all standing around looking up because they figured he'd be back in a minute. And the angels told him, this same Jesus you saw go, come again in a like manner. What you boys need to do is what he told you to do. Praise God. Oh, now, man, all that, that sounds like, who made that up anyway? And see, it sounds like a fairy tale until you add the element of the Holy Spirit. It sounds just like any other religious fable Until you add the element of the Holy Spirit. And when this same story is spoken with the anointing of the Spirit of God, a miracle happens. This same Holy Ghost came down on the day of Pentecost, baptized that early church, takes this message that sounds like a fairy tale and puts it right in the face of, of those who hear it and they come face to face with the truth because something has just illuminated their mind it's true it's true he is the son of God he's the son of God he is the son of God you know what happens when that when that epiphany takes place, because somebody, no matter who's doing the preaching, who's doing the telling, that's not the important part. The important part is that the Spirit of God has taken this message and put it right between your eyes, and you know in your heart that it's true. Boy, here's, here's the, the thing. If that's true, then the Bible is true, and if the Bible is true, I'm lost. I'm lost. It's true. And I'm lost. He never sinned, but I sinned. And for the first time in my life, I'm face to face with the fact that I'm lost. And I'm on my way to hell. And there's fear there. But aren't you glad you don't leave us hanging? Because the part of this Gospel, that is the very last part. This same Jesus loves you. And if you will believe on him, he will save you. Woohoo! I thought it was a story. I thought it was a myth. I thought it was a fable till the Spirit of God got involved. And in my mind, I understand now this gospel is true. And if it's true, the Bible is true. And that means I'm lost. I'm a sinner. My sins have condemned me. But that's not the end of it. If I call on His name, He'll save me. He'll save me. He will. For, he's the only one who can do it. He will forgive me of my sins, and he'll save me. He will wash my sins away in the blood he shed on Calvary. And he'll perform a miracle in me, and I'll be born again. Not the person I used to be, but a new person. Old things have passed away. Behold all things. We don't embrace that like we ought to. Behold all things become new. Brother well, Andy, I got i got worse trouble than that. I was saved, but I messed up. I was saved, but I did what the Bible calls backsliding. I backslid. I went back on God. I went back to that old way of living. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've Falling short of the glory of God. I I don't deserve nothing. I don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve compassion. I don't deserve anything. I'm the sorriest low down human being ever walked this world. And I know it. I got good news for you. This same Jesus. (laughs) We have an advocate seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And what is he doing? He is making intercession for every human being that's calling on his name. Every human being, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, it don't matter. Your sin is not so great that the grace of Almighty God cannot deal with it. For where sin did abound, what? Greatly abound. Grace. Grace. Now, that ain't something we take for granted. That's something we rejoice in. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I've had fo- I had a, a fellow I love like a brother ask me one time, seated across a, the kitchen table at his house, he was in a mess. He'd been married 35 years. He's fixing to get a divorce from his wife. His whole world was messed up. And I hadn't, you know, we just, you know, talked about stuff. We went to school together and had all kinds of adventures together. He said, Andy, would Jesus forgive me? Andy, would Jesus forgive me? Ha! I said, yes, son, he sure will, and he do it right now. He will. Isn't that great? That's why we get beside ourselves in church. That's why we open up our hearts toward God and try to give him the most sincere form of praise that we can produce because he is worthy. Can Jesus, I'm talking to somebody right now, my eyes are closed, I ain't looking at anybody. Brother Andy, can Jesus save me? Yes. Will Jesus forgive me? Yes. Yes. Well, I can't, you know, I can't forget. He will forgive. Not only will he forgive you, he'll forget about it. Praise God. You may not. People you know may not. People may throw it in your face, but he'll forget about it. The only person who can justify you is Jesus Christ. I can forgive you. I'm good enough old boy to do that. You run over my dog, I forgive you. Well, I may forgive you. I can't justify you, but he can. This is such a miracle that we can't get our arms around it. Justification is nothing more or less than he he performs a miracle in which we stand before God Almighty just as if we have never sinned once. Only Jesus can do that. I can forgive you. I can't justify you. But those whom he forgives, he justifies. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody tonight on the sound of my voice. Praise God that ball and chain you've been dragging, you don't have to drag it no more. Praise God forever. If you brought something to church tonight you don't want to take home, we're fixing to pray in this altar. And I'm here to tell you that you can bring it and give it to the Lord Jesus Christ, casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for us, that you can experience the divine mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the effect of Pentecost. Hallelujah. That is the message that we preach with such passion and fervency. Jesus Christ will save you. He will forgive you. He will comfort you with a peace that don't make no sense. It passes all understanding. We got folks in this community that are messed up. Go to Walmart, just sit there and watch them go through. You can see, I mean, and I'm not judging nobody. I'm just telling you that the fruit is hanging on the tree, all right? And many of them are, 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 seem to be unabashed and, and have absolutely no shame left. They don't care. But that lifestyle is going to get them in a mess one of these days. It's going to back them in a corner they can't get out of. And they're going to need help. That's why we have a church. Amen. Whosoever will may come. You go to the back of the book, last chapter of the book of Revelation, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And whosoever will, let them come and partake of the water of life freely. That's an open invitation to whosoever will. That's the effect of Pentecost. You know, we, we, we rejoice in the gifts of the Spirit. We manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And we speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And we jump and jerk and run and all this other stuff. And that's all fine because when the Holy Ghost moves on you, you ain't going to stand there. You're going to do something. You may, you may just fall out on the floor. You, you're going to do something. That's how much he loves us. That's the message. That's the effect of Pentecost. You want to tell other people. I'll share this one last thing with you, then we're going to pray. I know I pick on Sister Maddie a lot, but every time I see that woman she prayed for in a Dollar General store that had cancer, that don't have it now, because she met one of our ladies in the Dollar General store, can Jesus heal me in the Dollar General store? I reckon he can. Amen. Y'all remember when Sister Maddie shared that with us? It went a little while later. Andy and Dorothy were in the Dollar General store. So we poor, you know, we, we, week to weeks like everybody else. we in the Dollar General store. We look up who comes in that smiling face, Sister Maddie. She's one of them people that you see her in Walmart, you want to run over and talk to her because you know it's going to make your day better. Hey, how y'all doing? We all, you know. And here comes this other lady walking in the store. Sister Maddie said, that's her. That's her. That's her. And the lady walks up, hugs Sister Maddie's neck. And I'm like, you know, I I I didn't doubt what Sister Maddie said, but you kind of want to hear it. And that lady said, yeah. She prayed for me right here in this store. I went back to the doctor. I don't have cancer anymore. (laughs) Ha! We have a line of people now that want Maddie to pray for them. That's all right. Line them up. Praise God. That's the effect of Pentecost. There is a holy boldness and, and an eagerness to take advantage of an opportunity that God provides. That's what we call a divine appointment. That's the effect of Pentecost. You got a sad story? I got some good news to tell you. I've heard them over the years, from bad to worse. But the grace of God through faith And the Lord Jesus Christ is good for what ails you. Stand together all over the house. He's through with me.